Welcome to Oasis, if you're new. Uh, lately we've been talking about Daniel, obviously, from that video. Um, so if you are new this week, you might not know what we're going to talk about or what we have been talking about, so let me catch you up. So Daniel and the rest of the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, were taken into captivity by the Babylonian army. And they were under King Nebuchadnezzar. Say that ten times fast. Nebuchadnezzar. Don't do it, actually. Daniel worked himself into a position of power and influence in the Babylonian Empire, even though he was a slave. The Babylonian Empire soon was taken over by the Persians, by King Darius. And King Darius also loved Daniel, as we saw last week with the lion's den. Daniel was put in a lion's den, and he wasn't eaten. It's safe to say Daniel had a pretty crazy life, right? So that's what we've been talking about, and based on what we've learned about Daniel, it appears that he had his act together. He was faithful. Daniel knew scripture. Daniel prayed. His whole life was just a billboard of God. His whole life had God at, at the target, at the main focus, right? It almost feels like Daniel created a formula, something as easy as two plus two. If you do this, you'll get the results you want. If you do this, you'll have all the power and all the influence that you want in your ministry and all the power and influence you want when you're trying to glorify God. And you might feel that way, uh, that on the surface, if you do the right things, you'll get what you want, right? If you glorify God enough, then God will give you that A plus on that test. God will give you that Ferrari. But it's kind of, look at it this way. You don't dread English class when you've done all your homework, when you've read the book, when you've done the paper, you've done the note cards, whatever it is, you've done your vocab words. You don't dread English class, do you? I mean, you might because it's English. You don't dread going to the dentist when you've flossed your teeth, when you've brushed your teeth for two minutes and you did the circles. You don't dread the dentist when you've used mouthwash. You have no toothaches. But you get the idea. When we do things right, it's easy, and you feel like you're blessed in areas. But what about the times when you feel like you haven't done everything right? So it's easy to approach God when you've done things right, when you keep up on your devos, when you go to church, when you go to Oasis. But what about the times when you feel like you've messed up? What about the times when doing what you think are right aren't as easy as they used to be? What about those? What happens then? So when this happens, you might feel like you've let others down. Like you let a parent down or something. You might feel like you've let yourself down. Or that you've let God down. Or all the above. Sometimes it's, it's all of them. I realize that. You thought you were doing so well because you were doing everything right. And you were doing what you thought God wants. And you, act, you aren't sure, since you've, you've slacked off a bit, you aren't sure if you stand corrected, in a sense. You aren't sure where you stand as a result of those things that you've done that, that make you feel like you're distant from God. And so then what you might be thinking is that, well, if God, if God is paying attention to me after that, it's only because he's, he's going to get me in trouble. Man, I just, I partied last weekend and God's doing this to me now. That means I'm punishing. I'm being punished. I'm on the naughty list now. You guys ever think that? You might feel mad at yourself. You might distance yourself from God. The past couple of weeks we've been digging into the story of Daniel and seeing how Daniel's life can affect us, how Daniel's life um, and the things that he did can help us grow in our own faith. So we've talked about reading the Bible. We've talked about praying. We've talked about approaching others with, with the Word of God, with sharing our faith. This week, you guys can kind of tell, we're, we're focusing on worship quite a bit. So was that worship pretty awesome or what? 
Amen to that, right? So this week we're going to focus on worship. And not just worshiping in songs. Not just singing with Eli up here, just focusing on the cross. But worshiping with our lives. What does that look like? The, answer, the question we're going to try to answer tonight is, what does worshiping God look like? Especially with our life. Not just on Sunday morning. Not just on a Wednesday night. Every day. Every moment. Worship is about our approach to God. It's up on the PowerPoint. It's about our approach to God. It's also about honor. It's about us honoring and making a big deal out of God. So God comes to you. What if you were to say this? I want you to worship me with your life. What would you do? What would you think? You'd have to get everything right, correct? You'd have kind of this checklist of things that you had to do. But what happens when you, when you don't do the right thing? What happens then? Is God going to come to you and say, uh, you know what, man? I saw what you looked at on that computer. I don't want you to worship me today. You know what? I, I heard what you said about your friend. I, I don't think I want you to worship me. I mean, <laughs> look at you. You're a mess. You know what? You come back to me in a week when you get this all figured out, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you worship me. How about that? Is God ever going to do that? No. Up until this point in Daniel, the first six chapters, it's kind of been like a history book. So it's kind of been um, almost like, kind of like a school history lesson for you guys. But chapter 7 is when things start to get a little bit crazy. Uh, This is where we call, in the Bible, apocalyptic. No, that does not mean a zombie uprising. I know some of you guys might be thinking that, Oh, apocalyptic, there's going to be a zombie. Oh, cool. No, there's no zombies in the Bible. And they are not real, no matter what you think. Um, It's it's considered a forecast of what's coming, or a foreshadow. And by that, I'm not even talking about, uh, it's going to rain tomorrow, which I don't know if it is. It's not talking about, I'm going to have a hot prom date this year. I can only imagine some of you guys. So, uh, talking to previous girl in school. God told me I'm going to have a hot prom date. <laughs> Here you are. <laughs> You're pretty hot. Here I am. I'm, uh, well, I'm me. What do you say? No, if you do that, kudos to you. And if she actually says yes, uh, wife her. But... <laughs> Uh, I hope none of you guys likes to do that. Don't take my advice. Um, but we're talking about prophecy in the, in the fate of kingdoms and in the risings and um, dethronement of rulers in the condition of our future world, okay? Some things are cryptic. And what we mean by that, there's different symbols, there's different images portrayed in the Bible um, that give us meaning and that, and that try to um, let us put into words what Daniel is saying. Um, and it's, it's pretty hard to read this stuff because scholars for hundreds of years have tried to figure out what some of these things mean. So if you don't understand, if you are reading Daniel, which I hope you do because it's an awesome book. And there is a lot of stuff in Daniel about how to worship God. I'm going to talk a little bit about that tonight. Um, but don't give up. I mean, it's worth it. It is worth it. There's, there's things that you aren't exactly going to understand that you aren't going to know. But the things that you do understand and know will help you. They'll help you in your faith. Just by looking at the story of Daniel. Um, but smack dab, in the, uh, smack, dab, 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 smack dab in the middle of Daniel's visions and dreams, it's kind of hard to say, we see images that Daniel himself was having a hard time describing. So imagine Daniel trying to describe our, our world today. Thousands of years ago, he's trying to describe Jimmy John's, cars, helicopters, tanks. I mean, imagine him describing a tank. This giant beetle was spewing forth explosions from his hind quarters, and I don't know, it'd be pretty hard, but we see this prayer 
we see a prayer from Daniel that's in the middle of all these visions and all these dreams. And it says this. Turn to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel 9, 4 to 6. That's what we're going to be reading from tonight. O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. We have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes and fathers, and all the people of the land. Okay, so hold up. So we're talking about Daniel here, right? The man who had it all figured out. So why, why do we see Daniel only confessing things that he's done wrong? Why do we see Daniel humbling himself before God and saying these things and saying, God, we did wrong. We wronged you. Daniel, his prayer could have sounded like this. It could have been like, God, I've done everything right. I passed on food I wasn't supposed to eat. I stayed faithful when I was in the lion's den when I should have gotten my face ripped off by one swipe of the paw, as Brad said. God, I did everything for you. I continually brought you glory. And then he could have ran it on about having anything he wanted, right? You guys ever do that? You feel more confident before God to ask for things when you've done things right, when you're keeping up on your devos, when you're evangelizing to your buddies, to your friends at school. We approach God, we show up at church, and we think about worship, and we focus on what we've done for God in our worship. That's our mentality. We focus on on what we have done for God. Daniel had a willingness to humble himself in his honesty in admitting the sin of both himself and the Israelites and his fellow Hebrews. His approach was so much different. It wasn't a list of accomplishments. Daniel knew the reason for his people being in this situation was because of the wrongs they did, the wrongdoings they had. God tried to keep them from their sin repeatedly, but they repeatedly kept sinning. God kept sending them prophets to try to turn them around and, and get them back on the right track. But then finally, the Israelites found themselves in a foreign land with their homeland destroyed and a foreign ruler. And instead of distancing himself from God, Daniel made himself closer to God. He lumps himself with them. Instead of saying, I mean, how easy is this? Daniel could have just said, God, I'm not a part of these guys anymore. <laughs> I'm not doing anything they're doing. I'm not worshiping these gods. I'm not worshiping King Nebuchadnezzar. I'm staying faithful to you. Can you get me out of this at least? No, he, he lumps himself with them and he says, God, we have wronged you. God, we ignored you. God, you are good to us. You are faithful to us. He didn't pretend everything was fine. You guys ever do that? He admits the way they've gotten things wrong. And a little bit later, after this prayer, Daniel has a vision of a man who uh, Daniel has a vision of a man who explains visions. Uh, so it's kind of creepy. But if you guys have read this far into Daniel, I don't know if any of you have, but you see, you read about this image about this man with with fiery eyes and hair that's on fire and clothes that can blind you and like all this really crazy, crazy stuff. Again, imagine Daniel trying to describe this to us. But we don't really know who this man is for sure. I mean, there's, there's two options. It's either Jesus, pre-incarnate, because in Revelation, 
there's also kind of the same explanation or same description of a, of a man. And in Revelation, it is Jesus. So that's kind of what we get that from. Otherwise, it could be an angel of God. We, we aren't for sure which one. But this man basically tells Daniel that God has heard him and is responding to him, to his plead for an answer, because of Daniel's humility. It wasn't that Daniel was perfect. He didn't answer him because Daniel had everything right. He didn't answer Daniel because Daniel continually brought glory to God and he continually did things the way God wanted it done. It wasn't that Daniel did such a good job by getting himself in a position of power and influence. It's because he, he humbled himself. He admitted what they did wrong. It was his willingness to admit when he got it wrong that gave him these answers. Write that in your notes if you want. That's worship. When we get it right and when we get it wrong, in the good times and the bad. So what does that look like with your life still? Worshiping is not doing things for God, but walking with God. should be up on the, on the PowerPoint on the screen, so write that down. Worship is not about living as though we have something to prove to God, but instead investing in a relationship with God. Nice suit. Wow. That's bad. Um, but we have nothing to prove to God. Worship is not about living as though we have something to prove to God. Guys, what we have proved to God, all that we can prove to God, is that we are sinful and we, we don't deserve anything. That's all we can prove. All we can prove is the death and resurrection of his Savior, of his Son, as our Savior. That's all we can prove to him more and more. Because we are sinful. We don't deserve these things. So all that we can do as worship is invest in that relationship. Put in our end of that relationship. Does that make sense to you guys? We can't prove anything to God. All we can do is invest in that relationship that he's saving us. That's a faith game changer. Sometimes as Christian, there's a lot of um, pressure to always do things right. You have to go through this checklist. Oh, 6.30 a.m., get up. 7.30 a.m., praise God. Hallelujah. 8.30 a.m., go to church. Praise God more. Hallelujah. 9.30 a.m., text your friend and, and share God. I don't know. I don't know what your checklist might look like, but that's what we're, we're thought of as those goody two-shoe Christians that always have to do everything right and that are perfect. We think, if I do this, then God will be happy with me. It's basically our worship, our approach to God. If I do this, then God will be happy. And it's right to a certain degree. But what's your attitude? What's your motivation behind that? Is it just to be happy? Is it just to get what you want? Our success in doing the right things doesn't determine whether or not we can worship God with our lives. I mean, that's good. You obviously want to do right things, but that doesn't determine whether or not we can worship God. God wants, it, wants us to come to Him in the good and bad times, right? We worship God with our lives when we bring our successes and our failures to Him. When we strive to know Him and not just win approval by Him. It's also up there. Bring your successes and your failures. That's what Daniel did. This shift kind of allows us to focus uh, on what we have with, with him, a relationship. It's not just this one thing that we have to try to constantly please. It's a relationship instead of what we've done for him. I want all you guys to drop your pens right now. Drop them and listen to me. I don't want you to write this down. I didn't put it in the PowerPoint. I just want you to listen to this. If you get anything away from this talk, this is what I want, okay? 
It's a relationship that gives us the freedom to let go of guilt. Admit when we get it wrong, be honest, and know that God meets us where we are regardless. That is worship. A relationship that gives us the freedom from guilt. That's the relationship we have with Christ. If you guys want this later, you come up to me, I can get this to you. So you can write it down, actually. But right now, I just want you to listen. This relationship that we have with God gives us the freedom to leave the guilt behind. It gives us the freedom to live all the sin and all the nasty things in your life behind. It gives you the freedom to be honest. And that's hard, especially in our world today. Honesty and truth are a lost cause almost. And it gives us the freedom and it gives us the encouragement that that we can know that God will meet you wherever you are at. That brings a smile to my face. Makes me get all emotional. I told you guys I don't cry, but I'm a baby, I guess, lately. Um... (laughs) I hate crying still. Uh, but where we are at, regardless, God will meet us there. In the lowest of your lows and the highest of your highs, God will meet you there. But how do you do this? There's four things you can do. Four things. I'm going to write them. Hopefully you guys get them right, wrote, bleh, written down. Don't make knowing God a checklist. Make it an attitude. Make it a direction and not a destination. So don't make knowing God an attitude as in like, oh, man. I have to go to church this morning. I want to sleep in. Oh, you know, the only reason I'm at Oasis tonight is because my little brother's downstairs at D6 and my little sister's in tribe. I don't want to be here. My mom made me. Is that your attitude? Or do you want to be here? Do you want to listen, listen and learn from God and, and learn from the story of Daniel tonight? Number two, be authentic with those around you instead of trying to appear as if you have it all together. Allow other people to see you admit your failings. And when you do that, you are allowing others to see God working in you in a real way. This is hard. And this is going to be really stinky to do. Admit our failings so that other people can see them? I mean, one, that's not even what our society tells us. Our society tells us to bottle it up, keep your chin up, and go on with life, right? That's not what God's telling us. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. It's not what Daniel gave us as an example. Be authentic with those around you. It's not, I mean, you hear, sorry, I'm going to pick on girls for a little bit. Girls are like, oh my gosh, I hate her so much. Oh, Sophie! And they come over here and take a picture. It's like, oh, I love this girl, you know? No, um, I'm sorry, guys, I lost my manhood. Uh, But that's not what, it's not what it's about. Be authentic, love people. Pour all of your love that you have into them and be authentic with them. And admit to them when you do wrong. If you wrong them, be honest with them. Don't be afraid to admit when you're wrong. Because when you do that, you allow others to see God. Do you think it's going to be more convicting for someone if they see me and, they, and I tell them about God and they see me and my life is perfect and they're like, oh, wow, his life is perfect. Oh, cool. Or if they see me and I'm struggling, I'm like, dude, I'm really hurting through this, but my God, he's, he's helping me through it. I did this, but God's... God's been showing me this in the, in the Bible. Is that not going to be more convicting to him? Be like, man, well, I'm struggling with this. Do you, think, do you think this God could help me with that? It's like, yeah. Help him out. Third, go towards God when you get it wrong and not away from him. Again, I feel like what you guys are told is, the, is a silent treatment, right? When things don't go your way, when somebody hurts you, when somebody is mean to you, when things aren't as they seem, you just... Turn your shoulder to him. You give him the cold, cold shoulder. Don't do that to God because I guarantee you he's going to break it down. 
Fourthly, realize there are going to be stops and starts. This is probably the most important one. Realize there are going to be stops and starts as you move towards knowing God. You aren't going to have a 100% success rate. As much as you want to, you aren't. This is where this message hits me. Sometimes, I, this, this past week, I feel like this message was meant more for me than it was for even you guys. Um, because of things that are going on in my life, things I've been struggling with, to the point where I did question God. I was mad at God. I wasn't um, blatantly sinning or anything in my anger, but I was just like, my God, why is this happening? What's going on with this? So I, I did make God knowing a checklist. I did my devos just because I wanted to get on good, God's good side. I wasn't authentic with those around me. I didn't, I didn't want to let others know that I was hurting. So I bottled it up. I became happy. I became perky. I overloaded on coffee, whatever I had to do to, to make myself look normal. I distanced myself from God. Not big time, but I didn't have a desire to go to him. Then this, this last one, realizing there's going to be stops and starts, that's the big one. <laughs> was I worshiping God with my life? No, I wasn't. As much as I wanted to, I wasn't. And you have to realize this. There are going to be hard times. Have you given your life to him? Are you willing to worship him with your life? If you haven't given any part of your life to him, why not? Feel like you're too deep in things? Remember what I just said? God's going to meet you where you're at? Is that not powerful? Ultimately, worshiping with our lives isn't always about getting it right, but it's about heading in the right direction with God. Not heading in the right direction with, with God behind you riding on your bicycle, but no, it's, it's God step by step going with you. Daniel's humility and his honesty is a great example of how to live out a relationship with God in a way that honors him, right? We want to honor God with every part of our life. So we talked about in our last series, the fighter, honoring God in every part of your life. So we're talking about tonight, worshiping God with every part of your life. Are things you do, if we were to go home with you, if God, if you guys ever heard the analogy, if God was sitting in your room with you, if God was on your shoulder the whole time throughout the day, how different would your life look? That pretty freaky? Scares me to death. I don't want that. So what do you need to start being and not just doing? Is your approach one that allows you to worship God with your life? Or is it just one that allows you to worship God when things are going good, when you've done the right things? How would you relate to God to change if you began to worship Him with your whole life? How might the people around you see you differently? How might you see God differently? Here's the bottom line. The bottom of your notes. Here's the bottom line. Worship is not doing things for God, but walking with God. Worship is not about doing things for God, but walking with God. If you want to worship God better, then stop simply doing things for Him and let's walk with Him. Okay, I'm going to have Eli come up here. And uh, he's about to walk. When I feel like come up here and just start playing some music, I'm going to pray. I'm going to put a picture up on there, give one more little story, and then we're just going to worship God, okay? I don't know what it looks like for you guys to worship God with your life. I don't know you personally. As much as I would like to, I don't. What does that look like for you? What do you need to change in your life? What are the questions you need to ask yourself? What are the things you need to dig deep in? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much um, 
for tonight and these students that were able to come. I pray that we all, we would just worship you with our life. God, I pray that uh, everything about us reflects you. And that you, just like Daniel, God, would be the main target, the main focus of our life. That we would be a billboard for you. Um, I pray we have a good night tonight. Amen. So this last little thing, this picture comes up. There's two sets of footprints. Footprints are footprints of a man walking with God. This man says this. He says, God, you were with me. Look how good the times were when our footprints were right in step with each other. Look how good they got. Then things got rough. I lost my job. I lost my wife. I lost my family. God, where were you at in that? Your footprints disappeared, God. Why did you do this to me? God responded with, whose footprints do you think those are on the left? Do you think those are yours or do you think those are mine? I carried you through that. Brings tears to my eyes. God will carry you through whatever you're struggling with. Just give it up to him. Worship him with your life.